you've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep voice person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment, which is also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of DC. If you don't follow us already, please do so immediately. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even, even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the DC Council is just like your workplace, except with the dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. So without any further ado, let's welcome our guest today. Welcome back, uh, Councilmember at Large, uh, Alyssa Silverman. Thank you at DC Council. Oh, it's it's an honor. I, I it's the lowest level of DC celebrity. When once in a while I'll be out and I'll be like, I know you. I think we're all at least at C to D level. So don't worry about it, Josh. I'm, yeah. I'm there with you. Okay, right there. Um, so as uh, folks know who listen repeatedly, and if you do, bless your hearts. Um, we recently wrapped up our first round of interviews with council members. They're available on SoundCloud and iTunes. They were focused mainly on getting to know the council members better, their backgrounds, their biographies. Now in the second round, we're going to focus more on life at the council. Experiences, learning curves, surprises, ins and outs, ups and downs. And a uh, quick disclaimer, unlike last, uh, last round, we did share some of the questions in advance so the council members could think through the stuff if they wanted to. Um, and council members are free to pass on a question if they don't uh, want to answer. So it's a little bit like game show rules. You can pass. Can I call a friend? Uh, yes. Yes, you can call a friend. Okay. Um, so uh, without any further ado, uh, you know, at the, uh, you're, you're coming up on, a, on an election season. What do you see as your greatest victory as a council member so far? Wow. Uh, well, thanks, Josh, so much, and uh, hello to all you listeners out there. Um, I think what most people would consider my greatest victory uh, certainly is paid family leave. Uh, I consider my greatest victory um, honest, transparent, ethical government and approach to being a council member. Um, as we talked about in the first episode, when I ran, I didn't take money from LLCs or corporations or PACs of any kind, including from the labor community. Everyone thought I was nuts. Uh, but I can tell you, Josh, that is one of the best decisions I ever made. Because when I'm making a decision as a council member, I'm not thinking about who 
influenced me or who gave me money or who I need to pay back. I'm really thinking about what the best decision is for the residents of the district and what you know my staff uh, has advised me in terms of data and policy. Uh, and uh, I know this is a roundabout way of answering your question. But I think that's really my greatest victory. You know, there are more council members now who are taking that approach. Um, you know, I think that our residents deserve honest government, and I feel we're moving in that direction. I would, uh, you know, Councilmember Allen really did, I think, a lot of the heavy lifting on public financing of campaigns, which we're going to see next cycle. But, um, I, you know, I, I would take a share of that in that I think residents recognize the value of having, uh, you know, more people participate in the process and less super individuals uh, have undue influence. Yeah, I mean, I think nothing's more important than being able to sleep soundly at night in that sense, like to be comfortable with who you are, what you did, why you did it. Um, that's yeah, I the think foundation that's a real victory. Um, I mean, I won't say I sleep soundly every night, uh, but I can tell you that I'm at peace with the decisions that I've made. Well, along that not sleeping soundly at night, um, <laughs> what have you seen as a, a big uh, setback or defeat or struggle or, or something you're, uh, you didn't come out on the, the uh, upper hand of? Uh, well, certainly there have been some budget battles I and mean, not the sexiest stuff. Um, but, you know, I have a different attitude uh, in that, you know, I see uh, perhaps something I didn't win on. There are certain things that I didn't win, but um, I thought I made a good decision and I think it moved the discussion forward. I'll use the example of um, the TIF on Union Market, for example. Um, so this is where uh, the decision was, do we put $36 billion of taxpayer monies um, toward uh, additional parking, underground parking at Union Market, uh, which is that development in Ward 5, used to be called the Florida Avenue Market. Or as I had proposed, uh, we uh, put that money toward affordable housing. Now, I can tell you that I think the amendment that I pushed either last uh, 11 to 2 or 10 to 3, I think two people were recorded voting no for the parking, uh, and then I was the only person to vote against the, the, the TIF. But there has been so much discussion about this, and I think it's spurred discussion about, well, how, what is the best return on investment for our taxpayer dollars? Um, so I think it moved a discussion forward. Um, you know, I've certainly uh, have voted no. You know, I'd say I'm the council member who's probably voted the most uh, no on certain things. You know, I voted no on Sodexo, uh, the food contract. I voted no on an additional $5 million for Duke Ellington uh, to have terrazzo floors uh, and pay a million dollars in permits. I still don't understand why. Um, you know, I voted no on UMC. That was a win. Uh, but, you know, I think it's all a learning experience. But getting back to, like, the b victory, your question, you know, I think er I haven't had a vote where I've regretted my vote. Yeah. Now, in terms of the votes that haven't gone your way, 
what is your thought process or your learning process on getting more of those to go your way in the long sure. run? Sure, sure. Yeah, you don't want to vote uh, be a 12 to 1 vote. And that's why Union Market in some ways was a victory because I think it spurred a lot of discussion. Um, you know, I, I, th- uh, so I'm a, I think I'm going to skip ahead to one of the other questions. You know, of good advice that I've gotten from many council members, uh, former and current, was, you know, don't... Um, say one thing and then vote another way, you know, that when you tell somebody you're going to vote with them, you got to vote with them. You don't want to break trust. Uh, And I think one of the approaches that I've had, and, you know, I don't, I only know how I operate. I don't know how anyone else operates, is that, you know, when a decision is before me, you know, I ask, I I have a terrific staff um, and they weigh in. I always want, you know, so we meet with impacted groups because um, I hate the word stakeholder. Right. Uh, so people who care about that issue, we meet with them. And then my staff uh, does their analysis and we look at any data that might be relevant. And then they give me their opinion. Uh, and then I, um, you know, make a decision. Now, you know, pe- groups will come before you or fellow council members and say, well, where are you? If I know where I am on something, I'll tell somebody, Josh, Here's where I am. Uh, And I always do that. If I'm persuadable, I'll say, I haven't made up my mind. I'm persuadable. Persuade me. Um, But I won't say, I I think, and I hear this uh, from those who lobby before the council. I don't tell you, oh, I'm making a, you know, oh, that's a good point. And I I I don't know what other people say. But, you know, I'll tell you, okay, I haven't made up my mind, so give me your best pitch. Or... I've pretty much made up my mind, here I am. And I just feel that's a very transparent way of doing business with people. Um, You know, I'm not gonna hide the ball. I'm not gonna sort of say something. I think it's a little surprising to people that I won't won't appease you, you know, like if I know I'm gonna vote a different way, I'm not gonna say, oh, well, that's a great point. I'll think about your point. I'll say, okay, well, here's what I think. Um, so I, I think this is a, I, maybe I took a circuitous route toward your question, but I hope I answered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's better to have comfort disappointing people in the short term by telling them you disagree with them than by sort of coddling them and then when you actually vote, surprising them. Yeah, and yeah then you, the you don't want to surprise people. Uh, so, you know, if I'm with somebody, I tell you I'm with you. If I'm not with you, I'll tell you I'm not with you, and here's why. And then that gives them the chance to try to persuade you again. Um, and uh, and then I just, you know, then at a certain point I'll say, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty solid on this decision. Um, but, you know, there have been some tough decisions. Uh, and, uh, but, it, you know, it, it is, uh, it's what makes this job uh, challenging and really exhilarating and frustrating all at the same time. Can you think of any circumstances where you've changed your mind on something, where you thought you came into an issue resolute and either your colleagues or testimony at a hearing or or something kind of turned you around? Or Mm. or do you think you've been a pretty good, sound initial judge? No, I I mean, I think there's an issue before us right now that is one of the most challenging issues. I think it's probably the most challenging issue that I've faced, the uh, Initiative 77 issue, right? 
Um, so uh, this, was this is relevant to your listeners. I'm not going to pick something really arcane. I, I can tell you that among my friends, uh, you know, who have nothing to do with district politics but live here, this has been the discussion, uh, including at last night, even after the election. Um, I Some neighbors were on the stoop, and some friends of theirs were coming over to visit, and then we ended up in a 20-minute discussion about Initiative 77. Here's why I think it's such a difficult issue, um, because the uh, hospitality industry for us is like the auto industry of Detroit. It's such an important uh, industry in our city, supplies so many jobs, and is increasingly becoming career a career path for a lot of people. So we want to make sure that the jobs are living wage jobs uh, in which people are paid fairly and can actually uh, make enough money to live here. Uh, what I feel challenged by the initiative is um, that the timeline to phase out the uh, sub-minimum wage, I think, is really compressed and abrupt and aggressive in that we are asking our restaurants to now pay a much higher labor cost uh, in a very short period of time uh, in which I'm not sure where would they would find savings to pay for that. Uh, and that the easiest thing for them to do would be to either raise prices or cut hours. We certainly don't want, would not want that to happen either way because it could have an impact on demand at the restaurants. Um, so I think we need to have a, we need to have a discussion as a city. This industry is so important to our city. We need to have a discussion about how workers in the restaurant industry are paid. But, and that includes not only servers, but people in the kitchen as well. You know, one of the arguments made by, uh, I'll tell you, by Jose Andres. So Jose Andres is a hero, I think, to almost all of us, right? He is a model restaurateur. What he has done in Puerto Rico is amazing. Uh, and I have to tell you that his opposition was very persuadable to many of my friends um, who really, uh, and I'll have to tell you, he was on the bus in front of us in the Caps Parade, and that was one of the thrills for me of the parade, is seeing him in person and seeing what a big uh, champion he is of the district. Uh, but what uh, Jose Andres says is, you know, we have to deal with this disparity between the front of the house and the back of the house, uh, and, and we do. Uh, but I don't think that Initiative 77 is going to do that. Um, so what I, you know, as labor chair, I would like us to have a real examination, a real a hearing, a real examination of the restaurant industry. You know, there are issues. Uh, there are wage theft issues, uh, which means, and I hate using these terms of art, so people don't get paid a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Um, they are not compensated for their time. Uh, and a lot of times it's not the servers, but there are other tipped employees that people don't see. Uh, the barbacks, the runners, um, you know, there are other tipped employees in like the nail salons, for example, that really aren't part of this discussion. But, uh, you know, the, the Initiative, 7, Initiative 77 has, I put a lot of thought and energy I've met with um, groups like the Economic Policy Institute um, to get their take on it, looked at data from other states. I think it is really a difficult issue. I think the vote shows that um, it is a challenging issue for our residents to think about too, and I think we need to have a much bigger discussion about it. 
Yeah, I think um, sort of the best and the worst thing about it to me is it snuck up on us. It's from a public policy standpoint. I think it's kind of cool that the whole city is engaged in this public policy debate that's fairly intricate and detailed and multi-leveled. So it's great that we're having that, and people don't come into it with a preconceived notion. Uh, but that's also the downside, is I feel like it, in a certain way, it snuck up on people so that there wasn't a chance to have as, by the time people started to look seriously at the issue, it's like you said, they were on the stoop the week before Election Day, maybe before some people focused, and that's a, a challenge. But I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, well, I think initiatives, so, you know, I think people who live in Cal- places like California, they're used to initiatives because we're not so used to them. Uh, but in California, there are initiatives all the time. Now, you know, I got my start in, in, in activism in DC politics through an initiative, actually, uh, Initiative 70, which was to ban corporate contributions in district politics. Now that, I think, is a special kind of initiative because um, it impacted how council members ran their own campaigns. And we know that when something very impacts personally council members, it's gonna be difficult for them to legislatively make a decision. So I think I would put an asterisk next to that one for uh, a, a, a initiative that makes sense. I think Initiative 77 shows the downsides of voter initiatives in that a lot of, uh, at least my friends as well, uh, and I use my friends as a gauge because they're not involved in the day-to-day granular, you know, public policy. These are people who do a range of things from, actually I'm I'm dressed casually because I had a friend who was helping me move and he's a handyman, moves some stuff. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, he was talking about Initiative 77, you know, he couldn't make up his mind whether he was for it or against it. He kept going back and forth, he told me. Uh, And, you know, I think, we need uh, a scalpel here and, and not a sledgehammer. And yes or no is a sledgehammer, in my opinion. That's where doing something through the legislative process has advan- has very big advantages uh, in that we can look to compromises. Uh, and I'm hoping moving forward that that's what we're going to be doing. Gotcha. Um, a couple more quick questions we'll look to. Um, has there been, just because heartbreak in public policy is in the news these days. Has there been a heartbreaking moment since you get on the get on the council? My my subtitle for this is Tears on the Dais, which to me sounds like a terrible soul song. Oh yeah. It sounds but. like some Tears for Fears song. Um well certainly um certainly the um controversy around um anti-Semitism and and comments, unfortunate comments that have been made and the hateful rally in, on the Wilson Building steps, um, you know, in which Jews were called, you know, I'm Jewish, and uh, were called termites what is still uh, very difficult for me. Um, there was a meeting, uh, it was a council breakfast, actually, which was probably the most challenging of my uh, time on the council. You know, I I think this is an episode, obviously, that's been written about a lot. You know, what, what's interesting, and I'll tell you uh, something you might not know through the reporting is, you know, after um, my colleague, Councilmember White, Tram White, made, made some comments that I think he was unaware of really what the meaning was, uh, we went to a Passover Seder together. 
And I'll tell you, Josh, that was one of the most uplifting moments, not only in my time as a council member, but my time in the district. It was terrific. Uh, we went to a Seder, uh, which is a uh, traditional meal that's part of Passover, uh, which is, you know, if it's sort of like Passover and the Jewish New Year at Rosh Hashanah are like the Christmas and Easter of Judaism. They're the big ones. And um, Passover is traditionally more of a family meal, but now because everyone has such busy, hectic lives, a lot of community groups now do them. So we went to Six and I, you know, which is this very innovative uh, Jewish center in Chinatown. Uh, I went with, at the, I invited Council Member Tran White as well as, well as uh, Attorney General Racine, who actually proactively asked me if he could join us. And uh, it was an amazing night it, uh, because the Rabbi Susie, Rabbi Susie Stone, just incredible at Sixth and I, uh, but it was a contemporary Seder. So the Seder is basically the retelling of the Exodus story from uh, the Old Testament. And um, Rabbi Susie got us all to think about sort of oppression and liberation and contemporary uh, episodes, you know, like uh, the police shootings of young black men across the country and what happened, Syrian refugees. Uh, certainly, if it was happening now, we would talk about the atrocious policy that uh, the Trump administration has uh, regarding undocumented children. Uh, but, uh, you know, and how we, you know, how that's impacted us and how we can take action. And what was so uplifting about it, Josh, is there were so many people who, who came up to Councilmember White and wanted to, and these were Jewish, you know, mostly Jewish people who said, you know, how can I be an ally? How can I help address these inequities? You know, how can I get involved in the Ward 8 community? And afterward, Councilmember White told me he was so surprised that people were interested uh, and wanted to help. Uh, and he shared some of his own stories and, and Attorney General Racine told his family story, which um, I, I guess had been profiled in the city paper, but you know, his family fled the Duvalier regime in Haiti. He had his own liberation story. It was such a moving evening. We were there till like 11 o'clock at night. It was great. Uh, but, uh, you know, so then to have that hateful rally uh, on the steps of our government building was just heartbreaking to me. Um, and uh, it is an episode that I'll never forget. Yeah, it's. Um, but I think a, there's so much opportunity. I hate to cut you off, Josh, but yeah. you know what? What is what was heartbreaking to me was not just the specific words, but the divisiveness. Um, our, I guess I am uh, obviously I'm in this job because I'm an optimist. I think we can conquer our biggest challenges. I think we can overcome our different. I mean, we're all different, but I think we can come together as a community with our differences um, to create opportunity for all people and to overcome our challenges in affordable housing and the achievement gap and all those things. I wouldn't be in this job if I didn't think so. But I think what was so heartbreaking to me is that there are certain members of our community who try to divide, who are purposely trying to divide us as a city. And I think time and again, we can look back on history where that ends up being so destructive. Um, and it's the people who see the commonalities in different people who can link communities together that might not think they have a common bond um, that are the strongest communities. 
Um, and I think there's such, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic about our city. I think we do have some really incredible challenges here. Race, race being uh, a big part of it. I mean, I, it, it's a foundation of uh, almost everything here. Um, but we need to overcome those those differences to create a more equitable city. I mean, that's why I'm in this job. Yeah, and it's I think it's incredibly uh, difficult, and you're obviously to be commended for how well you've done this, but there is opportunity in every challenge. You know, you can focus that's on... That's what Rahm Emanuel says. That, that's that's true. It's uh, you know you can every focus. crisis. I, can, I can't remember what his expression is, but you know, in every crisis, there's opportunity. And I think you know, uh, I I have been trying to move forward with. We need to we need to talk to each other a lot more. Uh, in some what what the, what made the theater really special is we got beyond the superficial. People had some really heart to heart discussions about who they are and what they think of other, you know, sort of other people who look differently than them and how we can move forward together. And I hope we can find channels to do that because we have some incredible people in this city uh, and we are an incredible city, uh, but I think we are incredible when we are united, not when we're divided. Yeah, I think not to, to commend another radio station, but on uh, the 1A on WAMU, mm. they just said they're going to be doing more episodes. They've had, they call them Ask A episodes. They okay. had an Ask a Muslim. And the questions you've always wondered, but were kind of nervous to ask. Their second episode, believe it or not, is Ask a Drag Queen. The things you've always wondered. Right. And I think we all have those questions about other people, groups that are, are not uh, a group we belong to. That, that you just you need to ask the question you need to have an open forum where you can feel comfortable doing it and if we could we wouldn't maybe all be so bound up yeah that's why I, I have to say I was not pleased with the post reporting um, on the uh, Councilmember Wood's visit to the Holocaust Museum I, I I have some ethical differences with their approach and you know I think what has been eye-opening to me uh, is that there's a lot that maybe uh, I thought people knew about my religion and my background that people don't. And I think um, that's okay. Uh, but we need to give that safe space to be able to share and ask questions um, and learn and grow. Uh, and that's, you know, I, once again, that's why I found the Seder to be so uplifting because people admitted, I don't know much about Ward 8. I don't know much about uh, you, you know, your ward, your community, help me, help me be a part of it, help me understand. And, and Treyon and I ha have had some really heart-to-heart -heart discussions about, you know, what what being Jewish is all about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have to say I've, I've gotten flack, obviously, I've gotten flack from everyone, from members of the Jewish community, from, me from members of the black community. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to have dialogue and education and see the common bonds that we have. Um, so, you know, I'm and, and the fact of the matter is Councilmember White and I probably vote closer than any other members, um, you know, because we are committed to making this a more equitable city. Yeah. And I'm trying to picture, aren't you? neighbors on the day we sit next to each other yeah. too so um 
you know, they, we need to, you know, there, I, I, I am not, it's funny, Josh, certain issues choose you. Yeah, I think one of the other questions you had was like challenges on the council. You know, I mean, cert, you choose certain issues and then certain issues choose you. And certainly that issue chose me. Because the funny part about this is uh, I didn't grow up um, religiously. I'm not, but you know, for those who know, you know, at the age of 13, there's a traditional ceremony where sort of young people, young people are welcomed into the being adults. I was never bat mitzvahed. I never had one of those ceremonies. I didn't go to Hebrew school. Uh, my family wasn't a member of synagogue. Uh, so it's sort of funny that that you know I think probably beside pay family leave being Jewish is probably the number two identity I have uh, publicly. Um, but I mean, I, I certainly have become more observant. I'm a member of a, a synagogue on Capitol Hill, Hill Havra. It's a great community, and being Jewish certainly has become more of a part of my identity. But uh, but it's funny because you know it, it's just cer certain issues choose you, and that's been eye opening to me on the council. Yep. Yep. Um, well, th this is going to be a particularly silly, terrible transition because we're going from something very meaningful to something very light. Oh, um, let's do it. But but th this is a closeout question we didn't have time for in the first round, but, okay. uh, but we're going to quickly knock it out here. Let's do it. Um, as you may remember, James Lipton from inside the Actors Studio, in an homage to Bernard Pivot of the seminal program Apostrophe. Oh, this is a lot of cultural references. It, it Don't worry, it gets better. Um, I would ask all guests the same 10 thought-provoking questions. Okay. I will not be asking those questions. Thank goodness. Instead, please rank, in order of preference to you, these five items. Okay, I'm ranking them? You are ranking them. Oh. Cake, candy, cookies, ice cream, and pie. I'm going to be doing a doctoral thesis Myers-Briggs culinary thing on how the council members answer So, you know, questions. it's funny because, so I'm more of a savory um, than a sweet. Uh, and so... You, you and Councilmember Grasso could, could have a savory coalition. It, did he, he give the similar yeah, yeah, answer? Yeah. yeah, I am too. My, my mother, who is a fabulous uh, dessert maker, loves chocolate. I think one of her greatest disappointments is that I don't, I'm not a sweets person. I do like pie, and let me put in a good word for dangerously delicious pies on H Street. Absolutely. Um, they have a fantastic summer berry pie right now that I very much enjoyed. Uh, you know, the other things I'm not so big on. Oh, no, no, I do like gummy bears. Okay, so we'll put pie at one, candy at two. Do, do we have like a dead, dead last, like the worst so one? I'm not a cake person, actually. Um, now, cookies, Pat uh, Joseph, my constituent services director, makes some very delicious cookies. Um, so I'd have to put that up there. Maybe ice cream fourth. I I'm a big fan, so I'm a big fan of, uh, oh my gosh, I forget the name of the ice cream place in Union Market. Oh, yeah, I know uh, the one you mean. Yeah. Interesting flavors. No, well, not the frou frou one. Uh, I like the place that is their Amish, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, creamery. It's a creamery. It's they're closed on Sundays because they are either Amish or um, Mennonite. Mennonites. Thank you. So gotcha. yeah, uh, but I'm old school. I like mint chocolate chip. Okay. Pretty much, that's all I like. Green, Maybe green or white mint chocolate chip. Oh, you know, the green. The green, you I see? mean, I, you know, I, so I grew up um, to combine two of these. So my fan, even though my mom is a fabulous dessert maker, the traditional Silverman birthday cake 
is a Baskin Robbins ice cream roll with mint chocolate chips. So you gotta have the chocolate roll with the mint chocolate chip ice cream that's green. Um, and uh, that was that was what we got for every birthday growing up. Gotcha. Well, uh, folks, is this we've, it already? We've everything Holy from the moly. from the ridiculous to the sublime. Oh my goodness! Um, and and the second round wrap up questions again are going to have to get kicked to the end of the third round. Oh my god! We just, Can't we, we just keep it's going because oh, it's a podcast I, I, or something? I, I would love to, but they'd shut me down. Oh, they'd, they'd pull my, my that is a shame. We're going to have to pass license. legislation on this. Uh, yeah, I know. Maybe I a know. sense of the council resolution. Yeah, maybe during recess, we'll you know stretch out and do extra long. Uh, okay, sounds good. Um, but anyway, thank you very, very much again for taking the time. You're very and, welcome. And answering some tough Hello, questions. Hello, DC listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, listener or listeners, whatever the case may be. Uh, thanks Let me for say hi us. to my mom. She, I'm sure she's listening. Oh, absolutely. Go, Mom. <laughs> All right, folks. Tune in next time. We're DC Radio 96.3 on your HD4 dial or dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is hearing the council. Thanks, Josh. Thanks very much.